Iran is calling interference claims baseless and false, saying it makes no difference to them who wins the U.S. election. Alabamans will have to get out of their cars to cast ballots. In a 5-3 vote, with the three liberals dissenting, the Supreme Court has blocked curbside voting in the November election in Alabama. A federal judge had allowed that in response to the COVID-19 pandemic after a state election official banned the practice. 28 states allow curbside voting in which a person votes from their vehicle by handing their ballot to a poll worker. Jim Crisilda, CBS News. The number of new coronavirus cases in North Dakota is climbing so quickly, officials have given up on contact tracing. Brenton Nessemeyer at the State Health Department. Many of our cases don't call us back or don't answer on the first attempt. So we still have those cases from the previous days on top of the new cases that come in to try to reach. COVID patients are making contact themselves. The number of people who signed up for first-time jobless benefits fell to 787,000 last week, still significantly higher than pre-pandemic peaks. One major employer is warning of deep cuts to come. The coronavirus crisis has devastated Amtrak service, with ridership plummeting 97% since the height of the pandemic in March. With the massive revenue hit, Amtrak Chief William Flynn is urging Congress to approve nearly $5 billion in federal emergency funding. Without assistance, Flynn says Amtrak might have to cut more than 2,000 jobs and divert funding from critical projects like the Gateway Program building a tunnel between New York and New Jersey. Maria Garcia, CBS News. Dow Futures down 59. This is CBS News. These days, better nutrition and stronger immunity are essential. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more, so we can all be at our very best. Only Eggland's Best. What do you get when you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor? Mm -hmm. You get someone who understands there's an art to listening. Who's able to hear more than what's being said and can provide tailored small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. smart, hard-working roofing contractors run jobs smoothly, even remotely. They save time with Beacon. The Beacon Pro Plus app features simple online ordering and bill pay. Choose products like the new GAF Timberline HDZ shingles with a 600% larger strike zone mailing area for faster, more accurate installations. Pick the style, color, and quantity and let the app order for you. With Beacon Pro Plus, order round the clock from anywhere. Work smarter. Download the free app at BeaconProPlus.com. The presidential debate, the president that is, is getting ups overseas ahead of tonight's debate. At a recent London rally of conspiracy theorists, the consensus was COVID is fake, but Donald Trump's the real thing. I think that Donald Trump's an amazing person. Donald Trump is fighting for the truth. Donald Trump is the true Messiah, the chosen one. Polls here give Mr. Trump a dismally low approval rating, but this journalist thinks the polls lie. There is certainly a shy Trump phenomenon in this country. Liking Donald Trump is something people People don't think they can say in polite society. He wouldn't give his name, but he undoubtedly will be rooting for Mr. Trump tonight. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Someone showed the Monet at Sotheby's and bought Banksy's take on the Impressionist for almost $10 million. The painting by the world's most famous street artist adds overturned shopping carts and an orange hazard cone to the water below Claude Monet's image of water lilies. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. 
I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this. Not since I've been on balance in nature. I used to take prescription medication for muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I had started it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give Dallas Major any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen to it. I mean, I'm over 50 and, you know, your body starts wearing down. But Dallas Major has literally changed my life. It really has. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code FRUITS. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. When there's something strange looking under your bed, who are you going to call? Dustbusters! Athens Dustbusters are a licensed, bonded, husband and wife team that offer up top-of-the-line janitorial services at great prices, and they serve commercial and residences across Southeast Ohio. As the seasons change, don't worry about the cleanup. Call Athens Dustbusters at 740-541-7113 for a free quote. But don't just take our word about the Athens Dustbusters. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm John. And we're Athens Dustbusters, and we will bust your dust. Stay on top of the news every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 at 97.1 FM, WATH. Integrated Services for Behavioral Health is the preeminent behavioral health organization in Southeast Ohio. It's an organization of over 300 like-minded individuals that provide services to some of the most vulnerable populations, believing in the resiliency of the individual. If you provide good services, if you care about the individual and you value communities, you know, the opportunities are endless. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Beautiful sunshine this morning. We'll get it out there. Still 54 degrees, a bit chilly, but uh, going to climb up to a very pleasant 78. Special edition, our fire chief here at the city of Athens, Bob Reimer is going to be our guest. Going to get caught up on the operations of the fire department. In particular, how they're going to be affected by the non-Halloween celebration, or lack thereof, we hope, given, given the COVID situation. So let's see here. I push this button, I turn this up here, and I say good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Fine. Thanks for joining us. I know you're there via telephone because you've got uh, 
responsibilities there at the fire station as well as um, the COVID thing. Between the two things, we don't have you in the studio today. But uh, listen, That's absolutely fine. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last time you were on the air here was, um, uh, let's see here, maybe December 20th of, of 18. But uh, I said, yeah, it, time flies. And um, anyway, we, we've had you on a number of times, actually. Uh, um, refresh my memory. Um, when were you named chief? Uh, March of 2014. 14. Okay. Yep. And had you been a member of the uh, fire department staff there before? Yes, yes, I got hired in November of 93, so I just, just hit my 27-year mark. How about that? Well, um, you know, some of these things we've covered in the past, but we'll do them again. Where, where were you raised? I was raised just outside of uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia, a little community called Davisville. Okay. About 15 miles east, a uh, very small community. Uh, Community acres is what it was. All the houses were exact same, almost like a Levittown type deal. Yeah, yeah. And in you know, what kind of activities were you involved in, uh, like in school? At uh, I mean, sports or anything like that. I played some baseball stuff until I got up to about high school, and then I got involved in the uh, with the ROTC program there, and that pretty much encompassed most of my. I'm there as far as uh, sport-wise. We did a lot of traveling. There was a lot of uh, extracurricular activities there to be involved in. And I graduated uh, 90, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, 1990 from Parkersburg High School. And went from there, uh, started on the volunteer department in the local community. And I was there for about three years before I got hired on here at Athens. So yeah. I marked 30 years of being in fire service. Now, this whole uh, firefighting thing, did it become a passion for you uh, early on, or or was it just something you were trying out? I I don't know if you said that very well. I was trying out. uh, My best friend was doing it. He talked me into trying out. I was going to school for Mm pre-med, trying to carry on the uh, family tradition of being a doctor. Uh, And then I just started the volunteer fire service, got into my first fire, I guess they say, bit by the bug, as they would say, and... Do it. Decided this is what I want to do, and as soon as I can get, find me a job, and took all kinds of tests. Got on here at Athens, and, and I, I do not regret it. It's probably it is the best job in the world, and I'd recommend it to anybody. I don't know why I don't have enough people trying out for it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great job. You get to help the community. Uh, if you're a jockey, you get that fill here and there when you have fires or certain types of calls. It's a great camaraderie. All the guys here, this. As I say, it's a brotherhood or sisterhood. Uh, it's another family, so it's it's really great. Over the years, I have um, um, been engaged in several major fires um, as a helper, and um, it's one of those cases. Back in the days when I was on city council, somehow or other, I got these notifications, and I would just roll out of bed and show up and start helping refilling air tanks, things like that. Um, <clears throat> is there a, um, how do we want to call it, a, uh, a group of local folks that help, uh, even though they don't have the so-called fire education? 
Not really. Uh, most of the help that we get are from the volunteer fire departments, okay. uh, and they are, as well as us, they're hurting for staffing. It's just the since the 80s, since that we're probably when you were most active in the 70s and 80s, it, it, it has really dropped off, and we don't have we Red Cross is is overtaxed with the, the services they're trying to provide, so it's difficult to get them to to come out. So the volunteer departments have started things like Box 5 for York Township and Box 16 for Albany. And those are the ones that will come and assist in the rehab. They'll bring uh, the coffee and food and the water and the things of that nature on, on as well as switching out air bottles and, and doing that assistance. So we've got to take it upon ourselves because this the community effort out there seems to be dwindling. Um, and, and in a way, it's, times have kind of changed. So it's you got to be careful of who's coming in there because you're more concerned about their safety. Of course. You don't want somebody just coming right in off the street, walking the fire station, saying, yeah, I'm going to change the air bottle for you. And the next thing you know, they're in, they're in the danger zone, and we don't want them to get hurt. I recall the Belks fire. And um, see, were you on duty back in those days? God, no. Okay. <laughs> Well, the Belks fire. That was eighty-four or eighty-six. I think so. They're then yeah. certainly in that zone, but um, uh, things were so crazy right then that I actually was standing in the main entrance to Belks holding a fire hose, and I don't have any training in this area, mind you. And all of a sudden, I heard someone shout at me, and it was Captain Earl Gooden, drop and run, because that building was about to fall, and it did. And there were a couple cars uh, parked still out on the street in front of it at the parking meters, and they got crushed. And um, I think the Athens uh, News, there was a front-page picture of that wall starting to crumble and fall, and there were two blurry creature, blurry figures in the picture running away from it. One was um, Terry Frost, and the other one was me. <laughs> but uh, that's because all of the principal firefighters, the ones that knew what they were doing, were fighting at certain intensity points. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I was just doing what I could. Anyway, I, you know, for what it's worth, even though I'm 70, uh, I would I would still, if there were such a group, I'd sign up for it um, to help. Anyway, the it is a brotherhood, and I, I really think that's a special thing. Listen, this, let's move on. Uh, you, have, okay. you have annual reports you produce. They're shared with all the city fathers and... Um, I guess we should save fathers and mothers. <laughs> but anyway, from the city website, yeah, so yeah. anybody can go visit our website and pull up the annual reports and see what the status of the, the department is. Well, I know you don't have them perfectly memorized, but I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway. So, <clears throat> roughly, how many runs have you put in the last few years? The last few years, or I mean, uh, each the last year. couple, yeah. Uh, we brought, um, last year, I believe it was 1,050, uh, 1,032 runs. The year before that, I believe it was 
52 runs. That was our, our record year. When I started in 93, I think we had around 350 runs wow. per year, and it has increased since then uh, almost threefold. Now, it's slightly going up every year. That increase is uh, because of you're being called to work on some more minor things than we used to, or... Are there more fires, or what, what? 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 What do you attribute that jump from three hundred a year to a thousand plus a year? Uh, we're getting more rescues, elevator rescues, and car accidents. Uh, that seems to be about ten percent of our, our runs. Uh, we're getting more um, uh, false alarms or alarm notifications. Not all of them are false. We designate them if we get there and find a fire. We basically call it a false alarm. Now, it could have been something as simple, simple as a smoking outlet or something of that nature, and, and that's what caused it, but it, it get ring, will get rang up as a, as a false alarm. Um, so looking at our annual report from last year, we had 1,094 runs. Our record was 1,152 the year before that. Uh, this year, of course, has gone way down because of the, the COVID stuff. Uh, but that being so, I think it says here we had uh, 59 fires for the year. Uh, those are all different types of fires. We're talking dumpster, brush fires, trash fires, building fires. Cooking fires is still a large portion, which it is throughout the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of, like I said, elevator rescues and, and car accidents. Um, but th- those have gone up. But again, it's as you're putting in more alarm systems with the new codes, you're going to essentially get more alarms, whether it's from burnt popcorn or just a faulty detector or things of that nature. So if you go back back in the 70s and 80s, there weren't nearly as many alarms. You weren't getting nearly as many false alarm calls. You may be getting calls for service for somebody to come check it out, but they didn't have an alarm system was being triggered. About a week ago, I got up, and my wife, who's now in California for a month or so, uh handed me my cup of coffee and she said uh, there's a chirp and so I walked around and listened and a chirp and I finally discovered you know it was one of our um, fire alarms that mm-hmm. needed a battery being replaced and I did it within a few moments and uh, then the chirping stopped but uh, there there is a lot more emphasis on um, these alarms, right? Than than years ago, yes. and um, yeah. Um, do they ever misbehave? The alarms? Yeah. Sure. And, yeah. Again, there, there's there's so much. Even just to a residential smoke alarm system. Now, if you just change that one, you might want to think about changing the rest of them. And what we recommend is twice a year changing the batteries in your smoke detectors that way you really don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. uh, and i'll tell you a little story in a second we had uh, uh but changing those batteries now the 10-year lithium style uh or fixed batteries you don't have to change those once they start chirping and they go bad it's thrown away and you get a, a whole new one so you don't have to ever worry about changing the battery but you still have some like when i built my house it has interconnected smoke detectors so if one goes off then they all go off the problem is at 2 o'clock in the morning, you're trying to figure out which one is the problem because they're all going off. Right. So you're pulling out a battery, trying to see if that's a problem. And But it is safer because when one room detects fire, everybody in the house is awoke. Um, uh, my, back to the chain. It, 
My 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 home was built in 1934, and so the unless you well, remodeled, uh, and we doubled the size of the house in 2000. So or I guess 2004. So um, the newer part of the house, they are interconnected, but the uh, okay. the older part have the um, you know individual ones which each fire individually. And uh, but either way, you can hear them everywhere. Um, Good. And it's a big house. But uh, mercy. Um, but I mean, have they ever misbehaved to the point where you're called, but it was just a battery, not, um, something wrong with the actual sensor? Sure. Okay. Yes. Other things that common problems we'll find is dust built within them, and they'll tell you. Uh, using compressed air or something to blow the dust out of them periodically right. or using a vacuum cleaner to try and, and clean the dust, especially if they're put anywhere near an HVAC, you know, your air conditioning uh, vent. They may build up a little bit of dust. So they recommend sucking that out with a vacuum cleaner or blowing out with compressed air, try and get the dust off of it in the particulates because they're ionization-style detectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those may get built up depending on the age of them. Sensors... They recommend changing out the smoke detector every 10 years, uh, replacing it with a brand new one, regardless of what type that it is. So, you know, I just recently did mine, and um, it, it does help out because they will build up stuff on the inside of them. The sensors, if it's constantly blowing off, especially if you have one near the kitchen, it's just it's making it more sensitive as, as the years go by. Right. Well, let's talk about, um, um, I, I think there's one statistic I wanted to have which I forgot to ask and that is if you had a thousand runs during the year what percentage mm-hmm. of them would you say are um, false alarms I guess we designated as false alarms last year 50.45 percent of our calls last year of the thousand ninety four runs for false alarms for 552 so about half not half, yeah. A hundred of those were detector activation or no fire, so uh, hair hair straighteners or or popcorn or things of that nature. Okay. Um, now businesses they have uh, alarm systems too, and uh, but they're often tied into you electronically, right? So that uh, it, does, into the, it doesn't yeah, require someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, it doesn't require someone to go and hit the phone number and call you. No. And um, you know, would you say there is uh, four hundred businesses connected to you, or what? You know, oh, throw some number out. I wouldn't even. Well, we have uh, nine hundred businesses within the city. Uh, how many of those actually have alarm systems? It's difficult. Yeah. Some buildings, depending on the size of the business, are not required to have a, a large alarm system to it. It depends mm-hmm. on where it's located. Is it below uh, is it a, a, an old taxpayer where the upstairs is an apartment, the downstairs is is uh, the business? I know with something like that, on a new construction, that is called a mixed occupancy, so therefore they're going to have to have a sprinkler system or certain firewall separation. Anytime there's a sprinkler system involved, it has to be monitored by an alarm system. Okay. Uh, but all alarm systems do not have to be monitored by um, a third-party monitoring company. Okay. 
So I would say, yeah, probably close to half of our businesses have some type of uh, reporting alarm system. All of the university buildings have a reporting alarm system. Now, you know, some of our state universities have their own fire department, um, but here in Athens, uh, Ohio University does not, right? Correct, yeah. Well, there's, there are very few uh, universities, and I've talked with them throughout the nation, that have their own fire department. I think the one up towards what is it, Ada, Ohio, is it yes. Northwestern University up there? Ohio, I believe they have a volunteer yeah. department. Um, but other than that, near Columbus, Fire Department protects Ohio State. Um, I think it's uh, Miami Fire Department or Oxford. They protect uh, Miami University over there. Um, Cincinnati protects University of Cincinnati. Kent Fire Department protects Kent State. So the majority of them are protected by the local fire department. Well, I know there used to be a few more, so evidently some communities have... uh change that and that's that's fine i i don't care what they do i was just curious um mm-hmm. okay so now our fire department you're the chief um mm-hmm. see i assume there's uh, titles like captain and so on uh, describe the um the, the um what do you call it the organizational manpower okay we have uh, a full roster for us would be 22 uh, personnel, okay. uh, not including the secretary, but that would be myself, and then seven line personnel per shift. There's three shifts, and each one of those shifts consists of a captain, a lieutenant, and then it would be five firefighters. Uh, we're down one position now. We have one leave in June, and because of the current budget status, we're still down that position until things return to normal. Um, so we have right now 21 personnel. Now, there are minimum staffing that we would have on duty each day for the city or it is for personnel. And that could be four firefighters, that could be Captain Lieutenant two firefighters, depending on, on what the status of the leaf is. So that's four, two at headquarters, and two at station two, and that's for the city. And then every firefighter carries a pager, and anytime we have any type of fire or large incident, we call everybody back in uh, right. from home, back off duty, and... And all we'll call. Help out with that the, I, I think I've heard the expression "all call." All call. Yeah, that's right. Now, um, you know, I'm sure over the years you've said to the city, um, I, "I need more people um, to do the job perfectly." Um, what is, in your mind, the best way, the the best complement of personnel, uh, numbers-wise? Well, that's kind of hard to determine. I could tell you what the you know, NFPA code state for a, a structure fire. Okay. Uh, they say for a 2,000-square-foot, two-story structure fire, they're wanting uh, 12 to 15 firefighters on scene in the first five minutes. We're showing up with and then hoping other people show up. So that's when you have a fire, but as you can attest to, uh, the numbers that I just gave you, the small percentage of what our calls are. There's not just fires. It's other things, rescues, other types of service. Um, It's difficult right now to to get everything that needs to be done when you have lower staffing. So if I decide, okay, we'd have... 830 hydrants that need to be tested at least once every five years. I have 900 businesses that need to be inspected 
at least once a year. Um, training that has to be kept up on on top of maybe thousand runs or eleven hundred runs that we're we're having a year. So that when you are testing hydrogen as we're doing right now, we're gonna have to stop that because we have to go in the fire run. Or well now we have to figure out when we're gonna fit our training in because the state requires us to do so much training to keep efficient in what we're doing. Some of the pre plans. Every building other than a residential within the city needs to be pre planned. That means we go out and we draw the floor plans and we show where the gas and water shut off is and how are we going to attack this if there's a fire. Mm-hmm. So to sit there and say, well, we need 15 firefighters on duty because we may have a fire tomorrow, that will be a perfect world. But it's not just about the fire, it's about what other things need to be taken care of as far as basic maintenance and, and upkeep. You say, I can send these five firefighters to go test hydrants, and these five firefighters are going to go check out the lawn, and these five firefighters are going to go take care of the pre plans and inspections. Um, we've got our staffing in the 1970s. Um, we're about, I think the highest was 26, mm-hmm. and again, we're at 22. So if you compare us to other departments, like sized communities, especially protecting universities, uh, Portsmouth, I think, has 44 firefighters, uh, which has a small, shining state. Marietta, with Marietta College, has, I believe, it's 37 firefighters. Um, so it's, uh, it, it depends on, on what you're looking at as to what needs to be taken care of. I would love to have 12 to 15 firefighters on duty a day. But where's the, the funding coming from? Yeah. Now... Um, you know, all of us, we hope, have um, insurance coverages on, our, on the buildings we own, whether they be homes or businesses or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There are insurance ratings uh, based upon the fire protection services that exist in a community. So... Are our insurance ratings um, uh, typical, good, bad, what? Uh, average. Average. The best rating is a 1. The worst rating is a 10. Uh, we're at a 4. Okay. Borderline with a 3. So, and a lot of that, when you look back at the report that we received, was, well, you need a, a large training center. So you can make sure you're doing your fire training every so often in the, in the number of hours. You need a better water supply service, and you need more staffing so you can respond with this many engines and this many ladders and this many firefighters and for these fires. So that was our, our three biggest things that we get uh, knocked off on or where they're rating, I would say, poorly. That doesn't get us to a 1. No. So not so poorly that we're at a 10. Weekly, uh, during this time of year, you folks are testing uh, different areas, uh, the fire hydrants. And they've been down in Columbus Road here a couple weeks ago. Each, uh, each week we get an announcement about what neighborhood they're going to be working in, and we share it with our audience. Now, um, you know, from my eye, it seems like the uh, hydrant situation is pretty good. Um, but is it or not? 
Well, that's a question you have to ask the, the water department. We uh, we have to go out and test hydrants according to ISO. Plus, it's, it's good to do is because, one, it gets us a hands-on familiarity with the hydrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to go out to a, a fire at 2 o'clock in the morning and to go to turn the hydrant on, and the caps are frozen to it uh, because they haven't been greased in so long and it, they're just rusted on, mm-hmm. or the stem has broken. So we try and go out and do periodic inspections of it and say, yes, the water's good here, the water's poor here. Um, we test the hydrant and then all of a sudden the main breaks. It's an old four-inch line. Well, we need to get that main replaced. And the city is trying with the, with the funding that's available to, that's part of the infrastructure, and that's part of the reason why we need to renew, to my understanding, the streets levy is coming up for renewal this mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. That's another good reason why it's, it's so important, too. It's not just about getting the potholes out of the road because that's all you see. You don't see the water lines underneath. Most people will flush the commode, and it goes away. They turn the water on, I get water out of my tap. Yep, the water's fine, the sewer's fine. Well, they don't know all the the hidden details, the underground details of, yes, your four-inch line is giving you water out of your tap, but it's so old and needs to be replaced that you're not going to get enough water out of that hydrant if we have a fire for that hydrant in your front yard. I've been told that um, the... Or when we do turn it on, it's going to break. I've been, I've been told that the uh, pumper trucks that to pull, I'm sorry, that to take the water from the, the um, hydrants are mm-hmm. so powerful that if you have an undersized line, it's actually sucking water through those lines rather than under normal pressure uh, it flowing. And, um, you know, if you aren't careful, it can, it can collapse a line, right? Uh, to a point. Uh, it's not, we don't use hard suction hose like you would in a volunteer department uh, that's drafting. Now, think of a straw that's drafting... Um, water out of a pond, water out of a dump tank. Uh-huh. Um, so it requires it to, those pumps will actually draft or suck water out, just like water when you're drinking uh, straw, using a straw drinking Pepsi. Um, however, we use what we call soft suction. So it's only going to draft to a certain point, and then it sucks that line flat, so you won't be able to draft off of it. If it's not coming up with enough water, it's just not coming up with enough water. Now, if you use something as a hard suction, yeah, you could definitely ruin that line. But there is always going to be some type of suction pulling, and, and that's what we're trying to do is you're watching that line the whole time. Sometimes you have your foot on, you can feel when it's starting to collapse and say, oh, I'm uh, too much for draft. I need to close my, my uh, intake valve a little bit to make sure I'm not sucking that line. Let's move on. There's uh, There's been talk off and on for years. In fact, I sat on a task force, oh, shucks, 15, 20 years ago, whose job it was to... 1997. <laughs> whose job it was to decide about uh, Station 3 and, mm-hmm. um, and other things uh, that the fire department needed. Um, but Station 3, um, I think we kind of settled in on it being out there where uh, the ODOT garage is, uh, right in that zone. Um, that's never happened. Um, there's been talk about a training facility and, and how both the volunteer fire departments and municipal fire departments in our region could benefit from having such a thing nearer by to use uh, regularly. Um, has that happened? 
No. No. <clears throat> no. To date, uh, excuse me. Well, you were pretty patient uh, about that, date, right? Yes. Yep, we still are. Still have plans for it. Um, I've still been looking for grant money or capital money, something that we could do. And it would have been great to have a, uh, a capital services levy that could get us the new station to get us uh, money set aside for replacement of trucks and large equipment purchases like our SEBAs, uh, a training center uh, for the region. Um, but I, I wouldn't even bother to even ask for it right now, not with the way that the, yeah. the economy is. It would have to return, and, and I'd have to show justification for it. So we did, uh, after our last ISO rating, they said, well, we needed some training ground. Uh, we needed a training facility. I'd gone door to door, and thankfully, uh, TS Trim, or TS Tech, I should say, uh, donated 13 acres out of Kenny Drive to us for a training facility. And little by little, we've got a roadway in there. We have a training pad, and in the second week in November, we'll be doing some cross-training and a regional rescue training for vehicle rescue and heavy machinery technicians. Mm-hmm. We would operate a heavy rescue truck out of Athens, and we can be called anywhere in the state of Ohio uh, to use it. So that being said, um, that's going to be with uh, volunteer, not just volunteer, with the departments all over the region. So Portsmouth is going to be sending firefighters in Nelsonville, and then some of the local volunteer fire departments will be sending them. So that's part of that regional training center, was we have interest from people from Marietta and Zanesville and Portsmouth and all over Southern Ohio that want to be able to come and use that for technical rescue for fire training that needs to be done. And we just do not have that here in the county. Hawking College has those facilities, but that is for their program, and and we're looking for something that any volunteer department can run out there and say, we're going to do some fire training to make sure we're kept up and protect our community. Um, As far as the third station goes, I believe you're talking about where Applebee's, the old ODOT site, is that correct? No, I was thinking more around where the new the new ODOT site out there at what would that oh. be uh, six eighty two and fifty, right? Well, and that's 50. that's what we're hoping for in in the future uh, okay. because the city is expanding that way. We just annexed some more property there on six eighty two. They're going to build some more apartments out there. University of States, or yeah, University of States. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exploded. I mean, they're building houses out there, it seems, every day. Mm-hmm. That just makes our response further and further away. We do need a station out there, and the plan would be, with, if money is available, to build a third station out towards the Kenny Drive complex. The land's already there. EMS is currently building a station there, and that should be opening up here in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be great to have one there. Uh, what I'd really like to have happen, uh, where we need basically four stations, um, I would be happy right now if we could replace the headquarters station, which we've been piecing together and, and maintaining uh, as best as we can for the last 20 years, uh, to replace this one and put one down more central towards uh, maybe the end of Stimson Avenue. Um, and we did have a survey, or I guess not a survey, a study done from a company teaming up with the high university for making a large public safety center that would house up to seven different agencies mm-hmm. and be centrally located there at that location and would help out a response to the east end of town as well as uh, the central part of town. Sure. Okay, equipment. Um, 
you know, you got pumper trucks, ladder, um, uh, base, you know, rescue units, uh, water stuff. Um, is there anything that you really think um, we we ought to have but don't? We're doing pretty well on equipment right now. Actually, we have a brand new truck uh, coming um, November. Okay. I believe this one is projected to be delivered, and that means that we try and replace our vehicles every 20 years. Mm-hmm. So they'll be on a frontline fire truck for 10 years, and then there'll be a reserve truck for 10 years as a backup. Um, so the one we're getting ready to replace is a 1997, so we're three years behind on replacing this one. Um, and the one that's going in reserve <clears throat> will have been a frontline truck for 13 years. But as I, we talked about earlier with our increased fire runs and our increased duties, therefore you have increased the use of that truck because we go to the store, we go to do hydrants, if we go to a fire run, we're taking the same truck because we need to be able to respond at the, the drop of a dime. Right. Uh, so to give you an example, the truck that we're selling now, which is a 97, has 67,000 miles on it. The truck that we're getting ready to put in reserve, which replaced that one, has about 83,000 miles on it. And it's still got to get us through another 8 to 10 years. The truck that we replaced before that, which was a 93, had 31,000 miles on it. But those are rough miles. Our mm-hmm. runs are increasing. It's driving it hard pretty much on, on every single run and then parking it. Uh, Equipment-wise, we've been doing a lot better. We've taken on a lot more tasks since well, since I started. Like I said, we're doing six technical rescues now, and one of them is swift water rescue. We recently were able to get a uh, tandem boat trailer. We were able to carry both of our boats at once, one on top of the other. Uh, still trying to get a boat ramp to put it in the water. <laughs> but we've got newer vehicles to pull that with, a lot more uh, water rescue equipment. We're yeah. still looking for other things. Uh, we have the heavy rescue, which we're able to get off a grant, which takes care of a building collapse like you were talking about earlier, and we have to go in and get somebody out of it. Um, rope rescue, which we've had a few times, getting some off the top of a building, off of a cliff, confined space where a, a worker goes down in a, in a manhole, um, we have to go down and get them. Trench rescue, we have building construction, and uh, somebody's put in a water line and it collapses on them. Um, water rescue, as I talked about earlier, and now we're getting ready to do heavy vehicle, so tractor-trailer accidents or dozer accidents and and any type of, of rescue. So we're constantly upgrading because the fire department's taking on more and more uh, fields of study. Okay. So equipment-wise... Right now, we're doing decent, and we just need to get back on to trying to replace our vehicles more often because they're getting used a lot more. Well, one of the reasons I uh, reached out to you and said, let's do a show now, um, is Halloween. And uh, by the way, folks, uh, our guest this morning is Bob Reimer. He's our fire chief here at the city of Athens. In in that role, what? What did we just say, 14 years? Something like that. Anyway. Uh, six years. Six? Okay. Six well, years, since 2014. Uh, okay, that is the 14. Uh, so been in that role six years, but has been a member of the, the fire department staff much longer. Now, um, with COVID and all, there are certain things that happen annually, whether the city likes it or not. 
I was uh, co-chair of the one year it was an authorized event, that meaning the Halloween Court Street dealie <clears throat> on Saturday night. And um, Earl Funk and a couple others and myself, we, we had things for kids. We had things for families. We had things for um, all ages. And where they normally had 18 to 20,000, it scared the hell out of everybody because we had 38,000 people show up. That scared the city so much that the city fathers said, it's no longer going to be an authorized event. We've got to squelch this. And they've tried ever since. But the fact is, it continues to spontaneously occur. And not with those big numbers, but with reasonably large numbers, 20,000 anyway. Now, it's been announced that there's not going to be such a thing this year because of the concerns of people's health. Uh, That's really going to put an extra burden on the police department, and I, I hope to get Tom Pyle in to talk about that before um, the 31st. Uh, and I have you today. What does it mean to the fire department? What are, During a typical Halloween, what are you folks asked to do? Well, during a typical Halloween, what we do on uh, the weekend of Halloween is we increase our staffing. As I told you earlier, our minimum staffing is four. So usually the night before, we're increasing it to eight. We'll run five out of excuse me, five out of headquarters and three out of station two, and then we'll be able to run three trucks. And we'll send a a smaller vehicle to take care of some small nuisance calls, and then we'll have at least eight on duty for something that occurs. And if something, you know, we do have a fire, of course, we're resulting back to the alcohol. Now, however, on the night of Halloween, on Saturday night, around 7 o'clock at night, we bring everybody in off duty. Mm -hmm. Uh, It used to be that we would have truck stationed throughout uh, the city. So the university would give us a place that we could put you know, two to three firefighters on a fire truck outside of a, a dorm and we'd be able to sleep in one of those rooms. And I remember years ago when I first started, we'd be down at the, uh, what was then the Amer host down next to Bob Evans. Right. We'd have a truck outside there and they'd give us a room and we'd be able to stage some people in that room and it would make for a better response throughout the city. Um, right now what we do is we just bring everybody in on Saturday night and they're all at the stations and we staff different trucks and it depends on, on what the call is as to what truck that we have. And it, it's worked out great for us. There have been times right after we start and everybody shows up. I remember the fire at the movie theater a few years back uh, where it was somebody had somehow caught the, the roof on fire. Great response, but it knocked down quick and it was how it should have been done. You know, it should be done every day. Um, rescues where a car run over top of a guy and they were there within so many minutes and were able to get the car off of him and everything was fine. Um, this year, because they've canceled Halloween, we won't be bringing them to full staffing, especially because of the way that the, the budget is, uh, but we will still increase it, our staffing uh, to help accommodate the things and if something turns out, if for some reason it turns out to be a like you had mentioned earlier, back in the early 70s, when we just take over the streets and we're going to do it anyway, whether it's sanctioned or not. Right. 
and we're just going to be bringing everybody back in and be able to staff it and make sure we can control the event. Halloween is, as you know, is, is mostly a police department event because of the crowd stuff. It's really not too much of a fire event until, um, until something happens downtown. What our biggest concern is, is when you close down one of the major arteries of the city, now you've increased our response time to other areas. So if we still need to go for a fire down on, I don't know, Palmer Street or something, well, now we have to go a different route. It's going to take longer for the other truck to get there because, well, now we have half the street closed off or people all over the streets no matter where you are. Well, last year it seemed... Halloween just it wasn't 38,000 people. Uh, it, it just seems to be dying down more and more, I think. And I don't know why that is, if there's just not as much interest, if more communities are having their own Halloween. Uh, weather, I, that I couldn't tell you. The, um, you know, <clears throat> the communication system that the city uses is a very good one. It uh, interfaces with both police, fire, and everything. Um, now, uh, I mean, I assume it's not unusual for uh, if a big porch party breaks out and the police are all tied up with something uptown, uh, for them to ask the uh, fire department to go down to that site and try to disperse people, right? Uh, no, they usually don't have us do that. Uh, we don't have really any authority. Okay. Um, there's, there's a legal authority of what we can and cannot do, so there's really nothing authoritative-wise that, that we can do to say, oh, you need to break this party up. Okay. Under what fire law? Well, then I was under the really wrong, Im- wrong impression. But uh, I just uh, sort of made the assumption that um, you folks would have some sort of responsibilities like that also. Uh, during that kind of a unusual event, what? Um, let's see here. I gotta tell. I gotta tease you for a minute. Uh, someone told me once, and I did a little Google and found out it was true. <laughs> that you have been a male model. I dabbled in, I, I do some acting and stuff on the side, and I, yeah. I did do some things like that in the past. Nothing that I ever, no, was nothing really embarrassing. Well, say, of course but, not. But, uh, but I yeah, mean, yeah, now I, I didn't know about the acting, so you've done some showbiz stuff? Well, I don't know if you call it showbiz. I've been involved in uh, uh, Community ABC theater. Player, okay. here, doing some plays, as, as well as uh, High Valley Summer Theater, a lot of student films and some commercial work. Well, that's cool. Well, I I think it is fun. fun. Um, Hopefully someday I'll get back into it. What what are some things that you think I I should have brought out that I haven't yet? We've got eight minutes or seven minutes yet. Well, things that I'd like to uh, concentrate on, and we're still trying to find ways that we can increase our services and improve our services for the city. And I think the guys are, are doing a terrific job uh, staying busy, and, and I'm going to say staying busy. This COVID stuff really 
was a punch in the gut. We had so many plans for this year, what mm. we wanted to do and how we wanted to expand and do things. And it really hit us because that limited on the training that we could do, the public outreach that we could do. Uh, we, did, we weren't able to do our breast cancer t-shirt stuff this year. Um, it's, so they're, they get bored if they're not constantly staying busy or doing something or, or seeing the fruits of their, uh, of their labor. So, you know, they're out testing hikers, they're out doing what they can do to still operate under this current environment with, with the pandemic going on, but they really want to get back to, let's go out and do the training, let's go out and do the public outreach. One of the greatest things I think we've accomplished this year is our fire prevention. As you know, it's fire prevention month, uh, and usually we're going out and we're hitting all the, uh, the elementary schools, kindergarten through third grade, and we're doing education with, uh, uh, retirement facilities and and all and students throughout the the city and sometimes even in the county. Well, we weren't able to do that this year. So our, our fire prevention officer, Lieutenant Riley, started coming up with some YouTube videos and created a YouTube channel we can get to from our city website as well as through Facebook. And he's been trying different avenues to get that message out there. And we've right. been doing Zoom meetings with uh, with some of the schools and talking fire prevention over the internet. That's, that's about some of our capabilities for it, but there's still things that we need to improve. They want to see, uh, they want to know, that, they want the community to know that we're still here. We're still trying to do the best that we can do with what we have. And it's going to take, if we're wanting to increase staffing, if we're wanting a training center, if we're wanting a new station, that's, that's going to take more funding. And it's just how do we convince the citizens that this is what we need and why. This, these efforts would improve your insurance rates. So we talked about the ISO earlier. We can go to a one or two with more staffing in a training center and the ability to do all this stuff, and that'll help your insurance rates, but you have to show how that's your citizen. You live in the city. What would it take to, to convince you of that? I had a weird experience a couple of years ago. You, you may recall it, but um i can't remember what day of the week i it was but it was at an odd hour and my phone rang and it asked for help um at uh, bob evans and uh so yeah. i rolled out of bed and got up there and um oh um lucas um anyway, or one of our service safety director types, uh, was there, and he saw me pull in, and he thought, what's, what's he doing here? And it turned out that there was kind of a, a request for some assistance. They thought there was a fire at Bob Evans, but it just turned out to be a smoking um, uh, furnace on top of the building, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. minor. But uh, then, you know, another half dozen or so people showed up because they also had received a call. Ron Lucas, that's who it was. Um, yep. And uh, they all sent us home and said, thanks for coming out. I did, yeah, that was so odd. But, you know, if someone calls you and says, help us, uh, a lot of people will be willing to do that. And I did. Yeah, yep. And it was, and that was good to see. I, I will say that that was a, a old reverse nine one one system. And what they used to do was 
on top of our paging, it would do a reverse 911 to Athens firefighters. It says, hey, you have an all call at Bob Evans for smoke coming from the the rear side or whatever the case may yeah, have been. Yeah, yeah. Well, when they did that reverse 911, instead of just hitting the Athens Fire Department bank, they hit everybody in the city. And you and a bunch of other citizens had started pulling in and showing up. And it was good to see that, hey, you know what? Our citizens are there to help us no matter what. Even though they don't know what they're getting into, they're still showing up. So, okay, how can we help? Yep. And that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I apologize no, for no, happening. No. That we, we no longer use that system. They have a different system now, but uh, we no longer use that as a dispatch for for firefighters. But you're right; I remember that. I was there. Yeah, well, <laughs> there was a lot of cars coming. I think. I think. Um, I guess I started off earlier in the program mentioning there could be a group of volunteers who say I'm interested in helping. And that could be, you know, that secondary force you would call in only in a very large mess um, to help. And, um, of course, their assignments would be um, those that don't require the special training that the fire department staffers have. But you know what I mean. Uh, I'd be willing Mm -hmm. to sign up for that. Anyway, listen, um, Bob, uh, again, I appreciate your being on the show. Athens, City of Athens Fire Chief Bob Reimer. Um, I hope the Halloween thing goes very smoothly for you folks. Um, as I said, I'm going to talk to Tom Pyle about it here, um, I guess, next week. So, um, anything else you want to add? No, that should be it. Um, I really appreciate everything that you do for the community, Dave. And if there's some type of volunteer group that you'd like to start up to help us out, just let us know how what we can do to help out. You know, just trying to find ways that um, we'll be hopefully starting some type of donation program that we might be able to raise money for the training center at the very least for the community. Uh, thanks again for everything you do, and let's not make it two years before we talk again. So you just let me know when you want to talk, okay. and if I have any information, I'll reach out to you, and maybe we can get it out there for the public. Hopefully the next time you'll be able to come in in person because of... Uh, that would be great. We're, 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 we're like everybody else, folks. Uh, for the most part, uh, COVID has kept our uh, audience uh, or our guests um, elsewhere. You know what I mean. Okay. Hey, Bob, thank you. Thank you, Dave. You have a nice day, sir. Likewise. Okay, so um, that's that's what we've got there. Um, we have about 30 seconds before we join CBS News. Tomorrow will be Friday, of course. We'll wrap up the week, have a good time. And, um, folks, uh, keep keep a good attitude out there. It is so easy to get bummed out because you can't socialize the way you might like or you can't see your grandchildren. I haven't seen my grandchildren in months except to drive by. That's that's not the same thing, is it? In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Mr. Chairman, the votes are 12 yeas, 10 no votes. Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee have just approved Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court without the help of Democrats. They boycotted the session. Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. We did it. 
We did it. Judge Barrett's going to the floor. I uh, hope you look back on this uh, time on the committee and say I was there when it mattered. The full Senate is expected to confirm Barrett before the November election, locking in a 6-3 conservative majority on the high court for the foreseeable future. In an interview for Sunday 60 Minutes, Joe Biden is outlining his plans for a possible revamp of the court. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal conservatives. He says he would ask for recommendations within 180 days of taking office. If he's re-elected, President Trump tells 60 Minutes Leslie Stahl his goal will be to get past the pandemic. The priority now is to get back to normal get back to where we were. Mr. Trump and Joe Biden hold their second and final debate tonight. Both Russia and Iran are denying claims by top intelligence officials. They've stolen voter registration data to try to interfere with the November vote. Election law expert David Becker. This is overwhelmingly designed to diminish voter confidence, to get us to doubt our own systems. Officials say Tehran was behind those emails sent to voters claiming to be from the Proud Boys. A new report from Columbia, Columbia University faults the White House for the way it's handled the coronavirus. Columbia researchers say pandemic response in the U.S. is, quote, an abject failure, particularly the actions of President Trump and an administration they say did not want to deal with reality. The study compared the U.S. response to that of six other countries, including France, Japan, and Canada. The findings show the U.S. suffered a COVID-19 fatality rate more than double of most countries and says thousands of those deaths could have been avoided. Maria Garcia, CBS News. 780,000 Americans signed up for unemployment benefits for the first time last week. That's down by 55,000 from the week before. Perspective from economist Joel Naroff. The total number of workers receiving aid fell to just over 23 million. While that is also way too high, the number of people getting checks is coming down. Some long-term unemployed workers are also losing eligibility benefits capped at six months or less. The Dow up 39 in early trading. This is CBS News. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. This financial update with CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is sponsored by Dell Small Business. Here's Jill with some advice on what you should do if you find yourself suddenly uninsured. There are basically three options. There's COBRA, there's the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, or there's Medicaid. COBRA sort of seems like the best option because it just continues your existing employer's insurance. The problem 